I'm Carson Horn, and it's Wednesday at 10, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. Game week is upon us here on the plains. A new era will begin on Saturday at 2.30 when the Tigers kick off against UMass. The Hugh Freeze era will begin to be more specific. I, I was not here when the Brian Harson era began. I, of course, was not a student when the Gus Malzahn era began. However, I feel like the excitement may be greater than those two coaches. I definitely think greater than when the Brian Harson era began. I think it might be even better than when the Gus Malzahn era began. I am Carson Horn. Thank you all for tuning in to Talking Tumors today, whether you're listening live or listening later on podcasts. Yes, I've got a cold I'm fighting through, but nothing was going to stop me from being on air today to preview week one. We had week zero this past Saturday. It was an appetizer but now we're about to dive into week one. There's a lot of great matchups, but of course, the majority of our focus is going to be on Auburn this season and this game specifically. So I don't want to waste any more of your time. We left off last week with position breakdowns. So that's where I'm going to start out. We're going to finish that. I'm going to talk about my questions that I've got for this team this season. I'll preview the UMass game, and we'll talk a little bit about, if we have some time, about some other games this weekend that we might want to predict. But with that being said, let's dive into the position rankings. Where I left off was number four. I had the offensive lines the number four group that I was the most confident in going into this season. Remember, I started with least confident going to most confident. So we're picking off there. I'm starting off with number three on today's show, and that is the tight end room. That's who I have at number three. Your starter here is going to be a transfer from Florida International University, Rivaldo Fairweather. An extremely, extremely talented uh, receiver, uh, receiving tight end uh, that came from FIU. I think he's going to thrive in this Hugh Freeze offense. Hugh Freeze has had a lot of success with some bigger guys. He put a big-time tight end in Evan Ingram from Ole Miss into the NFL. A lot of comparisons to him with Rivaldo Fairweather, and everything that I've read coming out of fall camp is how impressive he has been, so I'm very much looking forward to seeing him on the field this Saturday and throughout the season. He's going to be the starter there. As long as he stays healthy, this is going to be a very talented tight end room. Remember, you've still got Luke Deal back. You still have Tyler Fromm and Brandon Frazier and Michael Riley Ducker, who are all back this season, and they will all play, I think, besides maybe Brandon Frazier, I think Michael Riley Ducker, who's a freshman, he's a redshirt freshman this year, he is the most similar in style to Rivaldo Fairweather as far as a more of a receiving first type of tight end. But he can also block a little bit better. I don't think you'll see a ton of blocking out of Fairweather at the position. If you want blocking, you're going to get more Luke Deal. You're going to get more Tyler Fromm there. Remember, tight ends also play H-back, and that's really... Besides depth, and something happens to Rivaldo Fairweather, that changes the room uh, in a big way because there's no one who can do what he can do. But the reason I've got this group at number three and not at number one or number two is because of a little bit of concerns blocking. John Samuel Schenker was an outstanding blocker. He was the former H-back and tight end for Auburn. 
H-back's still going to be an important position in this Hugh Freeze, Philip Montgomery offense. So who's going to step up and play that blocking role? I mentioned that I did not believe Rivaldo Fairweather will be a major blocker uh, for this team. So that means somebody like Luke Deal or Tyler Fromm or even Michael Riley Ducker or Brandon Frazier has to step up and block in the H-back position because you got to open up the run somehow, if not just the offensive line. So we'll see who steps up there. That's really my only concern with this position receiving-wise. I am very excited to see how they do. And, and I don't want to take anything away from Luke, Luke Dill or Tyler Fromm who have uh, had some big-time big games in their careers at Auburn. They're both veteran players. They're just more traditional tight ends. Rivaldo Fairweather is not going to be a traditional tight end in the sense of a big, strong, blocker, physical type of tight end. He's, he is big, but he is going to be much more like a receiver than a tight end. So that's just a little bit of preview if you're not familiar, if you haven't watched any of Rivaldo Fairweather, which unless you've gone back and watched highlights like myself, you probably haven't because, again, he played at FIU. But I think he's going to be a big focal point of this offense. I'm not sure I'd go as far to say he'll be the leading receiver in this offense, but I think he'll have a major role. At number two, I've got the defensive backs. Easily could have been number one, and, and, and many probably would rank the defensive backs at number one. What Zach Etheridge has done, and now adding Wesley McGriff back to the coaching staff in recruiting and in coaching is absolutely phenomenal. have to give a lot of credit to uh, Zach Etheridge because of the recruiting that he did, even during the Brian Harson era, where we know it was, a, it was a little bit more difficult to recruit during that time. Zach Etheridge was still able to bring in some big-time players who are going to be have a great impact on the team this year. So let's start out with the starters. At, at defensive back, your starters are going to be, yet again, DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett. Two veterans. DJ James, remember, transferred from Oregon two years ago, was one of the best defensive backs in the SEC last year. I thought he was a little bit disrespected. I think he only made third-team preseason SEC I think he will be a first-team type of defensive back for Auburn this season. Nehemiah Pritchett has been solid. His whole career at Auburn, he's played for a long time, is a fifth-year senior. I have confidence in him. Both have decent size at DB to match up against some of these taller, bigger receivers uh, in the conference. So not much you can say about those guys except I have high expectations for them, and I, I, I expect big things this season. And then at nickel, you've got Keontae Scott, who has really stepped, he was also, he was a Juco transfer during the Brian Harson era, was here last season, was one of the better defenders on the team last season. I expect the same this year. But a big improvement for him has been his leadership. He's been one of the best leaders on this team. I don't think, as far as I know, that Hugh Freeze has announced captains yet, but I'll be a little surprised if Keontae Scott was not one. Hugh Freeze speaks to the media next hour, so he may announce it then. But Keontae Scott, Stepped up in leadership. He's also got a chance to be an all-SEC player this season at the nickel position. Really looking forward to watching him this season. And, and on the leadership topic, he has been one who has helped recruit for Auburn and has helped out this coaching staff. When you're talking about recruiting, and of course Auburn's been doing a fantastic job, Hugh Freeze and the staff have been uh, recruiting this class in 2024. Keontae Scott, players play a role in that. And they're important because coaches can sell their team, their culture, all they want to. But when you hear it from players that are currently playing for this regime, 
it matters a lot more. And Keontae Scott's played a big role in recruiting and takes pride in that role. So, look, really looking forward. I hope that he, he shines this year. He's a player that you want to see succeed. Then at safety, you've got fifth-year senior Jalen Simpson. Look, Jalen Simpson has been playing for Auburn. He played for Gus Malzahn. That's how long he's been here in Auburn. Same way for Nehemiah Pritchett. These guys are veterans. And Jalen Simpson was a DB for the majority of his career. Started playing some safety last season. Seemed to be more comfortable there. Seemed to be a better fit there. So he is sticking at safety. He's going to start there, I believe, along with Zion Puckett who's also a veteran, a smaller safety, but someone who has football smarts. He So he may not be the most talented, but he knows where to be. He knows to put, he can put himself in positions to be successful. And you you match Jalen Simpson with Zion Puckett. You've got different styles of players. You've got different sizes out there. Again, Jalen Simpson, a bigger safety, Zion Puckett, a smaller one. But both have a lot of confidence in. And that's just the starters. But you talk about the backups, and that's what I think makes this position so, so talented, is you've got Kay and Leah, true freshman. It was a big recruiting win. Auburn and Hugh Freeze flipped him from Ohio State on signing day. He's going to play this year at defensive back. He will, he'll back up both DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett. Extremely bright future for him. I don't know how much he'll play this year. I do believe he'll play some. If there is an injury, he'll play a big role. So he, he's got to be ready. He does not look like a college freshman. He didn't look like a college freshman when he arrived on campus. He is a uh, physically just absolutely um, impressive, to say the least, uh, for Kay and Lee. And then you've got J.D. Rim, who is a redshirt freshman. He's been a little bit banged up, was banged up last season. He'll be a backup at DB this season. I don't know how much he will play either, but he is someone I... I was a high four-star recruit uh, coming out of high school, so we'll see there. At nickel, you got another freshman uh, backing up this position and backing up Keontae Scott. That's Sylvester Smith. Uh, Auburn flipped him from Tennessee right around signing day as well uh, from the state of Alabama, but Auburn had to get him back from heading to Knoxville. He is someone who the coaches have spoken highly of, and they believe he also has a bright future in this secondary. So how much he'll play this year will really depend on Keontae Scott and his health because of how good he is. But Sylvester Smith and Kay and Lee are both going to be stars for Auburn in the new near future. Then you got Austin Osbury, also a redshirt freshman this season. Was also banged up some last year, been banged up even some this year, I believe. Will he play some? Possibly. I wouldn't expect a ton, but he is listed here as a uh, backup in my projections. Then at safety, you've got Donovan Kaufman, who this is, I believe, his third year now here. Yes, it is his third year now with Auburn. Was a transfer originally from Vanderbilt. He's been a starter. He's going to play the amount of snaps, I believe, that a starter would play. He just happens to uh, be behind Jalen Simpson and Zion Puckett at the moment. He, he has played some nickel as well, so they were to get into a bin with Keontae Scott. Donovan Kaufman can certainly play there. But right now, I look for him to play mostly at safety, and again, he will play plenty, although I don't expect him to be listed as a starter. So my concerns, well, your backups are a lot of freshmen. That's really my concern. They're talented, but they are freshmen, so that's why I don't have this group at number one. So if you've been keeping track, there's only one position I haven't uh, listed yet, and that is running backs. That's who I have at number one. 
even with the loss of Tank Bigsby, look, Jarquez Hunter is an absolute stud. I think he's going to have a great season stepping into that role as RB1. I know many would argue that they thought he was better than Tank. Uh, that's an argument you can have. But look, there's no no doubt that Tank's a big loss and is a very talented running back. He's on moved on to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the NFL. But I have all the confidence in the world that Jarquez Hunter is going to be a dominant force. And I expect him to be a 1,000-yard rusher this season if he stays healthy. Something that Auburn did consistently in the Gus Malzahn era, but that fell off, partly because of poor offensive line play. Um, but I think that he'll return to a thousand yard rushing this season. Then backups, you've got Damari Austin, who's been who has stepped up as a great leader. I mentioned Keontae Scott. Damari Austin's another person, another player who's been a great leader this offseason, and I think he's going to have a great, great year. He has really shown out in fall camp, and he has changed his body. He's he's uh, grown physically in the strength training program, entering his sophomore year. I think he's going to be a really good running back too this season for the Tigers. Then you've got the transfer from South Florida in Brian Batte. He's going to play a big role on special teams, but he's also going to be a change of pace back. He's more of a scat back. He can find the holes, and he's extremely explosive. So I, I really, again, I haven't seen a ton of him. He played at South Florida. So again, it's not a team you watch a ton. He'll have a role in special teams, but he will also get some snaps. Wouldn't be surprised, some third down. Uh, I don't know how he'll be in the receiving game, but we'll see. Those three guys, though, are going to be your main three contributors. You know the SEC's physical. You've got to have multiple backs. You've got to have depth, and I, be- I believe Auburn has that this year. And then, that's not even to mention true freshman Jeremiah Cobb, who has a bright future with the Tigers, very much looking forward to his career. Again, I think you'll see him some. I don't know how much you'll see him once we get into SEC play. But he is a very talented back, has a bright future ahead of him. And as you notice, that is a theme that I've said probably more times than I should have in this first segment, bright future. But I think it's true. A lot of these guys are young. These are part of this recruiting class that Hugh Freeze brought in in his first year. And if Hugh Freeze is going to have success in year two, in year three, these guys have to develop like the coaching staff's hope they will. And that's guys like Jeremiah Cobb. And that's guys like K.N. Lee and Sylvester Smith and Connor Liu that I, I mentioned last week, last week's show. And there's plenty more uh, names. And those are guys that will have to develop and may have to come onto the so- uh, scene sooner than the coaching staff would like this season just because of the lack of depth. That's going to wrap up our position breakdown and our first segment when we return, I'll go through some questions. Welcome back to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1 as we begin our second segment. There are so many questions that that I have that I'm sure you have because it's a first-year head coach. And Hugh Freeze has been in the SEC before, sure. But that doesn't mean you don't have questions. There's so many unknowns. And then you, you have a roster that is so completely different than last year with the amount of transfers and freshmen that you have brought in. That just adds to it. And that's why it's so hard to predict, and I'm going to predict the the season predictions coming up a little bit later on in the show, but that's what makes it so challenging. It's always challenging to, to make predictions. It's nothing more than a guess, an educated guess, but still a guess. But it's even hard to make an educated guess when you've got the the amount of transfers and, and uh, new coaches and all that that you have here uh, for, for not just Auburn, but any team that's in a similar situation this season. 
but I'm going to do my best to ask them questions and, and then try to provide some answers uh, to, to them. So these are my questions that, that I kind of have, and, uh, but I also think you probably share some. So this is the first one I've got listed. What will the team's identity be? Every team, if, if you're going to be a, a good team, you've got to have an identity. Last year's team did not have an identity until Cadillac Williams took over as interim head coach. And then it became physicality, old-fashioned, we're going to run the ball offensively, we're going to be aggressive, we're going to play loose defensively. That, that became the identity. Uh, it was you know us against the world uh, type of culture. So, so what is the identity going to be for this year's team? Is it going to be a physical defense? Is it, is it going to be an offense that can score with anybody? Is it going to be a physical run game like I mentioned? I really don't know. I, I, my guess is it is going to, offensively, is going to center around the run game. I think defensively it's going to center around being aggressive. I, I, that's Ron Roberts' style is to, to be aggressive defensively. And because of my concerns with the front seven, which I'll get into in just literally in the next question, I think that will that could be the the defensive's identity. But this is something the team the team may already know this. We'll find out here here um, in uh, less than a week. Now on Saturday at two thirty, we'll begin to start to figure out what this team's identity is going to be. But we really won't know until we get into SEC play. But offensively, I do believe that the the focus and identity will be on the run game. Defense a little bit more to be determined. Uh, but I think it'll center around being more aggressive. But you never know. Could it end up being that Peyton Thorne's better than any of us could imagine, and these receivers end up being better than any of us could imagine? And the passing game is a strength? Sure, sure could be. But that's not what I'll predict asking that question at the moment. So as I mentioned, my next question is, will the front seven be able to stop the run? And I'm going to be honest, I'm not confident in giving a yes in this answer. I'm not talking about UMass. I'm not. I'm talking about when you get into SEC play, when you match up with Texas A&M, when you match up with LSU, when you match up with Ole Miss, with Mississippi State, with Arkansas. I'm not even saying Georgia because, I mean, Georgia's on a whole nother level. I'm talking about can you at least match up with the rest of the SEC. I'm not even saying Alabama, whose offensive line has been weaker in, in the past few years, but I do think will be improved this season. But that's a side note. Can you just compete up front with the majority of the SEC? And I'm not confident in giving that a yes right now, and that concerns me. And that could be a difference between a 7-8 win season and a 5-6 and a six game win season. It really could be if you cannot stop the run. Running the ball in the SEC and the ability to stop the run in the SEC is the key to so, so much. And I, that's why it, it, it is a grave concern. And if you can't stop the run this week against UMass, then I'll definitely, definitely be, con- be concerned about this front seven. That's the question, again, that we more than likely won't be able to answer until SEC play. If we are able to answer it before SEC play, then that means it's going to be really, really bad news uh, for Auburn this season on the defensive side of the ball. So that is really, and I, I said this last week's show, that's my biggest concern for this season is the front seven. Yes, I have concerns elsewhere, but that is – there's a, there's a big gap between that concern and my next concern for this Auburn team this season. Next question, what will Peyton Thorne be? Will he be a top quarterback uh, 
in the league? I really don't know. And similar to how I said, all I want from the front seven is to be able to compete with the majority of the SEC. That's where I want Peyton Thorne to be. I want him to be able to be a solid SEC quarterback. No, nobody's expecting him to be a Bryce Young. No one's expecting him to be a Hendon Hooker. Just be a competitive QB. Could he, can he be a top five QB in the league? I think that's very possible. Look, there's QB question marks in Alabama. Georgia's got a brand new quarterback in Carson Beck. Uh, Kentucky has Devin Leary coming in there. You, you've got a uh, new quarterback in Joe Milton at Tennessee. Yes, he played in the bowl game last season. Uh, K.J. Jefferson's re- returning at Arkansas. You've got uh, Jaden Daniels returning at LSU. Those two guys are, are supposed to be the top two quarterbacks in the SEC. I'm not doing a, a QB ranking for SEC quarterbacks. But can Peyton Thorne put himself in the top five? I think that's reasonable. I, I don't know if it's fair to expect that, but I think it is certainly possible that he could be a top five QB in the SEC. If he is, maybe this team can win eight games this season. But what will he be? What will he be with his legs? That That's a big question mark I have. This is an RPO-based offense, so that means run-pass option. That's a run option for the quarterback is, is included in that. He is athletic. No, he's not Robbie Ashford athletic, but he can run. So will he? How much will he use his legs? That's the question I have, and something that will that will hopefully begin to find out starting on Saturday. So again, I I'm not bullish on Peyton Thorne. I think he is certainly an improvement from what we've had in the past, but I don't have super high expectations for him this season. I hope that he exceeds those expectations. Staying on quarterbacks, I think many of us want to know what will Robbie Ashford's role be. He lost the starting quarterback job, but I think he has improved. He's improved his passing. He he has improved his uh, leadership, and I think he has continued to learn the offense. But what will his role be? Will it be a just strictly running the football, certain packages? Will he freeze allow him to throw the ball some? I, I really don't know, besides I do believe he will have a role. I don't think he'll have a big role in this UMass game. I don't think Hugh Freeze is going to want to tip his hand too much early on in the season, I do believe you're going to have to let Robbie Ashford pass some. When you when you have these specialty packages for running quarterbacks, you've got to be able to at least give the threat of a pass when he comes in there. And again, he was the starting quarterback for a lot of the season. He can throw. Doesn't mean he can do it well necessarily, but he can throw. So I expect him to have a role, and I think an important one, that can help open up this offense. I just discussed, I, I'm unsure of how Peyton Thorne will use his legs in this offense. So if he doesn't use them much, definitely Robbie Ashford will have even a bigger role in using his. This is a question I, I avoided last week, but I'm going to address it today. Will Jarquez Hunter play in Week 1? Look, I'm not getting into any rumors or anything like that. But Jarquez Hunter was not with the team for a certain amount of time to start fall camp. He was not with the team during the summer. He, he has been back now, was back for the last few weeks of fall camp, has been practicing, has been running with the ones. But will is there any more to the story as far as punishment or anything like that? I don't know. But I think it's a fair question to ask. If he's not able to play week one, I would expect Damari Austin, who I just talked about in the last segment, to get the start. And have all the confidence in the world in him. That would mean more reps for him. It would mean more reps for Brian Batte and uh, Jeremiah Cobb, maybe even Sean Jackson. 
So I don't know. I think it's very possible that Jarquez does not play on Saturday. But again, that's just speculation on my end. Uh, I do not know whether that will be the case or not. We'll have to find out uh, at 2.30 on Saturday when this game kicks off. But if he is misses more than week one, if he can't play at Cal in week two, then that would be a little bit more of a concern because you're starting to get into some bigger games. But we'll see. Next question, how will two new coordinators with no prior experience as SEC coordinators work? I don't think this is a topic that has really gotten much discussion, and I really don't know why. I guess maybe it's because I do believe that both Philip Montgomery and Ron Roberts are proven commodities in the college football world. Philip Montgomery was a head coach at Tulsa for about seven years. He was an offense coordinator at Baylor when during the Art Bryles era, and Coach Robert Griffin had some fantastic quarterbacks there. We talked about all this when he was hired. Ron Roberts was the D.C. at Baylor and uh, has has had a lot of success there, but neither have been coaches in the SEC, and I I think that is something that needs to be addressed. Luckily for Auburn, look, you freeze, of course, has SEC experience. You've got multiple other coaches on staff with SEC experience, both at Auburn and at other programs. Think of Jake Thornton that came from Ole Miss. Wesley McGriff has made his rounds. Then, of course, you've got Zach Etheridge, and you, you've got Cadillac Williams, who, ha- who have been around at Auburn in the SEC. But your coordinators don't. So there could be an adjustment for them. I hope there isn't, but there certainly could be. So how big of uh, an adjustment will it be? I don't know. I think I don't want to want you to take this the wrong way. I do believe they have an understanding of what it's like in the SEC. They know the talent level is different, and they know it's at a higher level. That doesn't mean that you should change your philosophy. That that, that would the whole reason you were hired is because of what you run, what you do, your X's and O's, all of that. But you you may have to adjust some things uh, on, uh, with the way that you go about how you run your system. So we'll see if there is an adjustment that has to be made there. I, I think it's a question worth asking. I've got confidence. I don't I don't want the listeners to, to hear me the wrong way. I have confidence in Philip Montgomery. I have confidence in Rod Roberts. But I do think there could be some things that they have to adjust to that's different from the Big 12 uh, where they have most of their experience coming from. So we'll see. But I, I think it's a fair question to ask. And then finally, who will be a surprise star this season? Right now, a lot of the attention is on Jay Fair and Shane Hooks at wide receiver. Damari Austin's gotten a lot of love. Austin Keys, the transfer linebacker from Ole Miss. Got Jason Jones, who really wasn't a big factor last season, but maybe he'll come on. I I, I don't include Jarquez Hunter in that because he wouldn't be a surprise. I don't don't include DJ James in that because he wouldn't be a surprise. So who could it be? My guess would be Shane Hooks. I, I think on the offensive side, it's going to be him. Uh, everything I've read coming out of practices with how he has uh, performed and the catches he has made, I think he has the potential to be wide receiver one for the Tigers this season, uh, something that Auburn really has lacked since Seth Williams uh, was here uh, as a wide receiver one, a, a true dominant force. So really looking forward to seeing him defensively Eugene Asante is also one that's gotten a lot of love, but I would lean more towards Austin Keys. If he can stay healthy, I really like his future, and I really think he could be a, a talented star 
defensively for Auburn this season. Alrighty, those are just some of the questions. I may have hit the question you had. I may not have. Those are some of the questions that came to my mind when I think about this season. When we return, I'm going to dive into season predictions. And uh, we'll see if you agree or disagree. But we'll be right back here on Talking Tumors. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Welcome back to Talking Tumors. Now on Weagle 91.1. So with the season starting on Saturday, I've got to do my season predictions for the Tigers. I've seen a wide range of predictions, mainly centering between 5 and uh, 7 to even as high as 9 and 3. So I'm going to put what I believe the ceiling is for this team, what the floor is, and then where I've got the prediction going for this season. I believe the floor for Auburn this year is 5 and 7. I don't expect that to happen. That would be disappointing if it went 5-7. and seven. Remember, that was the record last season. So to improve, just need to get to 6-6. Six and six. So I would be disappointed with 5-7. and seven. Go ahead and put that out there now. But I do think that is the floor. If, if Auburn is to go 5-7, and seven, that means either they had a slip-up against someone like Cal in Week 2, or they just really struggled in SEC play. Maybe lost on the road at Vanderbilt. Because your non-conference games... You've got, let's see, you got three of those, uh, so that should be three wins. So that means you would only be picking up, you know, two other wins, whether that's Cal to make it uh, four wins or, you know, that you lose to Cal and you pick up two SEC wins. So something would have to go really poorly in either conference play or uh, losing against Cal in week two, in my opinion, for this team to go five and seven. I think the ceiling is eight and four. I can hear the pushback saying, oh, the ceiling should be 93. Look, there's so many unknowns. But this roster, as good of a job as Hugh Freeze and the staff have done in the transfer portal, this roster's still not to the place where it needs to be to be able to expect to go, to even really have a good chance to go 93 this season. I just don't think that that's fair. I mean, LSU went 9-3 last year in the regular season. It was it was year one for, for Brian Kelly I, I don't think that the LSU roster was in as bad as a spot, though, as Brian Harson left the Auburn roster. So I, I don't think that 9-3 and three is a fair uh, ceiling. I got to go 8-4 and four with the ceiling, which I think would be an outstanding, outstanding regular season for Auburn to go 8-4. and four. Um, But my prediction is 7-5. and five. I think that's fair. I think that's realistic. And I think... Auburn fans should be pleased with that. That's a two-game improvement from last season. So let me give you this this possible scenario. Auburn goes 5-7, and seven, but they have a top-five recruiting class. Or Auburn goes 7-5, and five, they have a top-10 recruiting class. I'd probably take the 7-5 and five top-10 recruiting class. There's some that maybe would take the top-five uh, recruiting class with a 5-7 and seven record. But I think you got to count this year a success if you're Hugh Freeze, if you're an Auburn fan, if the Tigers go 7-5 and five and they land a top-10 recruiting class. That's improvement in record. That's definitely improvement in recruiting. And that means you're headed in the right direction. So that is what, if I were to predict, that's what I'd predict too. I think Auburn's going to have a top-10 recruiting class, and I believe they're going to go 7-5. and five. So let's look, though, at the games that will really determine whether or not 
this team wins five games, whether they win seven games, whether they win eight games. So the games should be won. I've got listed here five games that should be won. That's UMass, that's Cal, that's Sanford, that's Vanderbilt, and that's New Mexico State. That gets you to five wins. But, again, I've already mentioned Cal and Vanderbilt, possible slip-ups, unlikely, but possible, so you can't overlook those games. But the games that will really determine the record for for Auburn this year is the home, home games against both Mississippi schools, at home against Ole Miss, at home against Mississippi State, and then the game against Arkansas. Those games will, I believe, determine how this season goes. Again, you got five wins there. You win both Ole Miss and Mississippi State at home. You go seven and five. You lose one of the Ole Miss or Mississippi State games, but you win on the road at Arkansas. You go seven and five. That's why I have a hard time seeing Auburn going eight and four here. That means you win all three of Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Arkansas. Yes, it is possible. Absolutely. And I know I know as Auburn fans, we expect to be better than all three of those schools. And I, I think that it, those are fair expectations for the program as a whole. However, the program isn't where it should be at the moment. So, it makes it a little bit more challenging. Games that should be lost, that if you were to pull off the upset here, then yeah, 8-4, and four, maybe even a 9-3 and three, uh, happens. But I wouldn't be surprised if you won a game like A&M, like LSU, like Georgia or Bama, that if you dropped uh, one or multiple games to Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Arkansas. But those, A&M, I'll go through it again, A&M, LSU, Georgia, and Bama, those are games that you should not expect to win. Again, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Arkansas, those are games that are toss-ups, as Auburn fans would expect to win, but not necessarily going to be the case this year. So I haven't picked a game-by-game. Game. I'm not going to pick game-by-game game predictions for for the uh, season right now because, again, I'll do weekly predictions for each and every game. So I'm not going to do that at the moment. But, again, I'm, I'm thinking 7-5. and five. I know Auburn fans, including myself, want to see the Tigers beat Ole Miss after the Lane Kiffin drama of this past offseason. Mississippi State is also a team that's not getting a ton of love. Of course, Mike Leach passed away. And Zach Arnett has taken over as the head coach at Mississippi State. But they've still got a veteran roster. They've got Will Rogers returning. Yes, they're changing the offense. And I think that's really a big reason why they're not getting talked about a ton. But they can be more of a threat than we might be thinking at the moment. So again, I'm predicting 7-5. and five. You may disagree. You may think it's going to be worse. You may think 6-6. Six and six. You may think 5-7. and seven. Hey, you may be one of those who's real confident and look, I, I am typically, as you all know from listening to the show, if you've been a long-time listener, I'm pretty optimistic, and I'm always positive for the most part regarding Auburn, regarding Auburn sports, but I want to be realistic. I think it's better to set a little bit of lower expectations. That way you're not disappointed. You're thinking 8-4, and four, and you do go 7-5, and five, but also have to be as impartial as I can be in setting and looking at this from a non partisan way and I think if you do that set you you put this team at seven and five and so that's where I've, I've, I've got Auburn this year so we got a few more minutes left before we take our final break and then I'll break down the UMass game but with with the time we got remaining I want to go through a few games of week one 
that I, I want to predict. Starting off on Thursday night, starting off week one, I cannot wait for this game. Last year, it was a, an extremely entertaining game. Came down to the wire. That's Florida and Utah. Last year, Florida won this game in the Swamp at home. I really do not think Florida's going to be very good this year. Uh, it's Billy Napier's second year. They are recruiting outstanding. They're a top, they got a top five recruiting class right now. Billy Napier's doing a fantastic job there. But their overall roster this year and their quarterback situation, I, I, I think they're worse off in their quarterback situation, uh, much worse off, really, than we are. I can be proven wrong on that. Graham Mertz is their quarterback, transfer from Wisconsin. He was a former five-star QB, but he was not impressive at all um, with the Badgers. Maybe Florida's able to get something out of him. Look, there's quarterbacks like Hendon Hooker, who was at Tennessee last year, was not impressive at his uh, previous school, went to Tennessee, and was. So who knows? Uh, I'm not saying that Graham Mertz will become Hendon Hooker by any stretch of the imagination, but he could be better than I'm thinking. With that being said, I've got Utah winning this game at home. The caveat is Cam Rising's got to be healthy. If he's starting for Utah, he got injured into last season, then I've got Utah. If he's not healthy, if he doesn't play, then, then Florida could pull off this game, but I, I like the Utes in this one. Then you got North Carolina and South Carolina on Saturday night. This is a fun one because of the quarterback matchup. Drake May, one of the top quarterbacks in college football. Former Auburn head coach Gene Chizik is the defense coordinator for the Tar Heels. Their defense has been atrocious. He took over last season. They were atrocious. Can he improve their defense? I hope that he can because Drake May is so talented. It would be a shame for North Carolina to waste that that talent they have there because their defense can't stop anything. So we'll see. But you got then you got Spencer Rattler in South Carolina. On the other side, a lot of people see South Carolina as a sleeper this season. So we'll see how this one plays out. This one's tough for me to predict, but I'm gonna go North Carolina in this game. I think their defense is going to make some improvements. I wouldn't expect drastic. But I'm going to go the Tar Heels in this one. This is a neutral site game, uh, week one. But should be a fun one. And, and look, Spencer Rattler made some big-time improvements last year for the Gamecocks. Uh, transfer from Oklahoma where things just didn't go his way. So what what happens this season? He stayed, could have gone on to the NFL, stayed another year with Shane Beamer and crew. I'm a big fan of Shane Beamer. I don't know how you cannot like the guy. Uh, very authentic uh, seems like genuinely a good dude, so I, I do like South Carolina, but I think North Carolina is going to win this one week one. Then arguably the biggest game of week one is LSU and Florida State. Lots of people are high on Florida State this year. Lots of people have Florida State in the playoff this season. Jordan Travis returning could be one of the best quarterbacks in college football, could be a Heisman candidate. LSU, though. Remember, won the SEC West last season. Jaden Daniels returning for them. This game was won by uh, Florida State last season. But at that point, we didn't really know much about what Florida State was going to be, what LSU was going to be. This game this year played in Orlando on a neutral site. Obviously, closer drive for Florida State than LSU fans. LSU's going to be without one of their best defensive linemen in Mason Smith due to a one-game suspension. I'm not going to get into all that, uh, what a joke of that suspension was, but we can talk about the NCAA on uh, another day. I am not super high on LSU. Don't get me wrong. I think they're going to be good. I I think they'll have another good year. 
I haven't bought into LSU's running the SEC West, LSU's making the playoff. That's not where I am with this team this year. I didn't predict Florida State to make the playoff either, if you remember my playoff predictions from last week. However, I, I do think Florida State is going to be a very good team this year. I think Jordan Travis is a fantastic player. Therefore, I'm going with the Seminoles to win this game. I think it's going to be a close one yet again. I think it's going to be an exciting game to watch. It's not the end-all, be-all if either team loses this game, but it does give them a little bit of padding. Maybe they can afford to, to lose a little bit more in conference play if they're able to come out the victory here in Week 1 against one another. So I like the Seminoles against LSU in what should be another entertaining game. Those are the three biggest ones. There's really not a ton of great matchups in Week 1, unfortunately, this year. There are some really good ones in Week 2 that we'll talk about next week on the show. But that's all I'm going to do for now. I've got some more games I could predict in Week 1. I may come back to that if we have time in the final segment. But with that, we'll head to our last break. And when we come back, I will break down and preview the UMass game. The thought of my sons growing up without me inspired me to quit smoking. Welcome back to our final segment of Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. We've talked enough about previewing the season. We've broken down the roster. We've discussed the coaches. We've discussed questions. Let's finally break down this week's matchup. Let's talk about an actual game Cannot wait to do this. I kept it for the last segment, but that doesn't mean we're not going to power through it, have a lot to talk about here in just a short amount of time. So Auburn's going to play UMass, not a team that, that makes you shudder, not, not a team that gets you fired up. They've been one of, if not the worst team in the FBS for the last, I don't know, decade or more. However, they won. They played in Week 0. I watched them play New Mexico State, who Auburn also plays later in the season, and they won 41-30. They were 1-11 last season. So they've already tied their, their, their win total from the previous year. If I, had, if I was a betting man, I would bet they're going to win more than one game this season. They've certainly looked like a formidable group of five team, unlike in the past where they have looked like they don't belong on the FBS level whatsoever. And part of that is because they have 15, 15 Power 5 transfers, 27 transfers total. So you've got guys that go from group of five to power five. You've got guys that go from power five to group of five. And it benefits both. And in this case, I think that it has benefited UMass in a big-time way. They've also got a, a long-time defensive guru as their head coach and Don Brown. Spent a lot of time at Michigan with their D.C. there under Jim Harbaugh. And so I think he is a very good coach. It seems like he's got this program finally headed into a better direction. At quarterback, I think this is important to note, they've got, his name is Tyson Fumachon. He is 6'4", 215. He played at Clemson and Georgia Tech. Again, really didn't see the field at either place, which is why he transferred to UMass. But it does go to show the talent and the potential has been there. He just hasn't been able to succeed at the level that he has hoped. However, on Saturday, he looked pretty good. He threw for nearly 200 yards. He ran for nearly 100. Like I mentioned, extremely athletic quarterback. Auburn will absolutely have to contain him. They have a running back in Karon Lynch-Adams, who is a fifth-year senior, started his career at Rutgers. He looked pretty athletic, pretty talented as well. Uh, a smaller back, but again, someone who Auburn will have to keep an eye on. They've got two um, D1 transfers at wide receiver. So again, this is a team with Power 5 talent on it. 
Doesn't mean they're Power 5 level players, but they've got Power 5 level talent at many of their positions. Offensively, last year they are pretty much worse than the FBS in every single category. This year, I think they're going to be much better. They are an RPO-based offense. As I mentioned, the quarterback ran nearly 20 times in this game. So similar to the uh, Auburn offense in that you're going to have the run-pass option. That should be an advantage for the defense. Look, they've been defending against this Auburn offense all of fall camp. They know what an RPO system is going to look like. But defensively, it's going to be important for, for, this, uh, for the Tigers to contain Fumichon. Do not let him get going. Keep him inside the pocket. When New Mexico State had success in this game, they forced Fumichon to stay in the pocket and deliver throws. He went 10 for 17. He can, but he's much more comfortable running, getting out of the pocket, making things happen with his legs. Defensively, UMass is going to be aggressive. That's Don Brown's style, always has been, and I believe it always will be. They had looked, like, looked to have had a 4-3 base defensively, four defensive linemen, three linebackers. I did see him run, though, some three-down defensive linemen. They've got some big fellas up front uh, that they uh, play on the inside on the defensive line. That could be a challenge for the interior O-line that I do have confidence in, as I've talked about. So we'll find out a little bit of what they're made of, see if they can handle those guys. They're, the defensive philosophy is a lot of man coverage, which Auburn could possibly take advantage of. Because if their receivers, which should be, if Auburn's receivers are more talented than the defensive backs for uh, UMass, then some big plays could happen. Could Shane Hooks, could Jay Fair, could any one of Auburn's receivers make a big play on Saturday or multiple? Certainly think it's possible, if not likely, if Don Brown, this UMass team, sticks their guns and plays tight coverage, man-to-man coverage. They want to take away the short passes, which is a smart philosophy against an RPO offense. A lot about the RPO, again, run-pass option, getting rid of the ball quickly. That's the goal. So that can make it more difficult. If that's the case, Auburn's going to have to run the ball and hope to open up the deeper passing game if UMass says, okay, we're absolutely taking away everything underneath. The key will be at that point to be able to hit shots downfield, be able to force this defense, have to back off a little bit here. Those are the main things that I noticed. But overall, keys to the game, just in, in, in general uh, for the uh, Tigers in this one. It's week one. You're absolutely going to be excited. The stadium's going to be rocking. It's a, Like I mentioned at the, at the start, it's a new era. It's a new time for Auburn football. So yeah, enjoy the emotions, but play within yourself. Don't play too emotional. Don't let it overwhelm you. Mistakes are going to happen. It's week one. It's not going to be the prettiest game that the Tigers are going to play all year. It could be their ugliest, but limit the mistakes. That's the way, mistakes are the way these teams stay, like UMass, stay in a game. If you're turning the ball over, if you're just having dumb penalties, things like that allow these teams to stay in it. It gives them life. UMass has a game under their belt. Theoretically, they should be they should be able to play a cleaner style of ball, which means if you're Auburn, you've got to try to match that to the best you can. Again, talking about the mistakes, New Mexico State threw an interception on their first drive, led to a UMass touchdown. You, you want to limit those type of things from happening in any game, but especially against an opponent, and that is lesser than you, that is not as talented as you, don't give them life. But in the end, just have fun on, on Saturday. Enjoy being back. 
in, in Jordan-Hare Stadium if you're the Auburn team. I cannot wait. I, I am very much excited uh, to, to be in the stadium. I am covering this game on Saturday, so I'm not going to make a prediction. But I'm very much looking forward to seeing and watching Auburn football again. It's been too long. I'm excited for the Hugh Freeze era and what all that's going to bring. And we'll see what happens on Saturday. And we'll be back next Monday. We'll break this game down and we'll preview the Cal game. Make sure you're following me on social media at Talking Tumors on Instagram and on Twitter. As I mentioned, I will be covering the game on Saturday. So I'll have updates throughout the day. I'll have an article post game with quotes from Hugh Freeze. You won't want to miss it. Hope you all enjoy week one. Thursday night, can't get here fast enough with Utah and Florida. And then, of course, Saturday, the Auburn Tigers will play. So I hope everyone has a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday with Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Wednesday at 10 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com and follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle, and see you next time.